so poignant, right? Jesus uh, predicted that he must suffer and die, and all the disciples were distraught about, what, you're going to die? You're going to leave us? They, they just couldn't comprehend that. And then he was uh, so gruesomely and tragically crucified, right? All those details that are in the Gospels. And then here they are mourning. They're in this state of mourning. They're bringing spices um, um, into the tomb to lay over the decaying body. And these angels or beings say, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember he told you while he was still with you in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, be crucified on the and on the third day, be risen again. And then they remembered his words. When they came back to the tomb, they were when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe in them because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up, ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the stripes of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. And then later on in Luke, he goes on in these 53 verses, just summarizing um, two, they weren't apostles, but two believers were walking on the road to Emmaus. And Jesus, interestingly, comes up incognito, in disguise, and he starts talking with them like, hey, what's going on? What's, what's the big news about? And he talks with them, and then they get to their destination, and they invite them, and he eats with them. And then when Jesus uh, breaks bread like we did here, they were like, that looks strangely familiar. <laughs> and suddenly, at that point, their eyes were open that this was Jesus. He broke bread and gave thanks, just like Jesus did. And then, as soon as he reveals himself to these two men, poof, he disappears, which is odd, strange. I was thinking... If I was thinking, what, what's the first thing God would do when he was resurrected, right? He was supposed to be the king of the Jews, and he dies his tragic death on the cross. You would think he would, I don't know, come on a white horse and say, you couldn't kill me, right? Something amazing. But Luke records the first thing he does, he just hangs out with two believers on a road. And he hides his identity, and he finally reveals it, and then he poof, he disappears again. Which is strange, I don't know why. Then he, uh, Luke describes he appears with the disciples in the upper room, supposedly. And then he asks for something to eat. He asks for something to eat. They gave him a broiled fish. He was hungry. I think Luke... Uh, provides a proof here that this is his resurrected body. It is not just a ghost. 
It's not a hallucination, but this was Jesus himself in the flesh. God in the flesh resurrected. Death could not contain him. And he asked for something to eat. And he speaks to them, and he talks with them, and then he goes on to promise power from on high, wait for the Holy Spirit, and then he ascends to heaven. That's a little overview of what Luke, the major themes that Luke has to say. But going back to when he... Oh, let's move on to Matthew. Skip on over to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. We'll just be, read the first few, few uh, verses there. Of the initial happenings when Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Okay? We're just going to compare and contrast a little bit and get a little overview of the events that happened in these four different Gospels of what happened after Jesus was resurrected. So in Matthew uh, 28, we find uh, before that, remember that Matthew is the most Jewish of the Gospels, right? The most Jewish of the Gospels. So Mary Magdalene and the others went to the tomb. Here, Matthew describes... There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. And the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angels said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, ran into the disciples, ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Jesus met the girls, the Marys, greetings, he said. He came to, they came to him and clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So it's interesting, huh? Every gospel has a little bit different version of what happened after Jesus was resurrected. Jesus appears to uh, Mary here, the Marys, and speaks to them directly. Matthew goes on to uh, uniquely report about the guards. This is the story about the guards. You've probably heard about this, right? Uh, if the guards uh, failed at their duties, they would what? They would be put to death for failing at their posts, uh, maybe seen as traitors, maybe co-conspiracy with the disciples to let them in and steal the body. So Matthew provides this little report. While the women were on their way, some of 
the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. When the chief priest met them with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say, His disciples came during the night and stole away, stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this day, that the disciples stole the body. So here it is in Matthew, um, the account of this report. And then moving on in Matthew 16, Matthew 16 is a report of the Great Commission. If you're right, you've heard of the Great Commission, right? Go therefore in all nations and make disciples of the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Where does that come from? Matthew. Now, if we think about Matthew, um, since it's the most Jewish of the Gospels, it kind of makes sense to have the Great Commission here. That uh, God came, remember, Jesus was Jewish, the disciples were Jewish, Right? It was a Jewish context. It would totally make sense that uh, the most Jewish of the Gospels, the next steps, what they are, Jesus' instructions to them, are to go outside of the Jewish community. So it totally makes sense that the Great Commission is described in the book in Matthew's Gospel. And let's read it verbatim. It is 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I will end. I am with you always to the very end of the age. Interesting, right? Um, the last point I want to make about this little chart is at the very top of it, um, it says, at the empty tomb. Jesus appears at the empty tomb. And uh, I don't recall Jesus appearing at the empty tomb except in when he appeared to the Marys at the tomb. But it, this uh, study Bible is suggesting that the angels were a form of Jesus, is what uh, your NIV study Bible and the theologians are suggesting. That also in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when the angels uh, rolled away the stone um, and was talking to them, uh, they are theorizing that the angels were Jesus himself. I never really thought about that. I, I just took it for, at, at face value that they were angels, not Jesus. So, anyway, some people with uh, thick minds and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, lots of um, studious thoughts are suggesting that. 
Okay, we're going to move on to Mark. What did Mark say? The shortest of the Gospels, only 16 chapters, dedicates only 8 verses to uh, what happened to Jesus afterwards. So let's take a look at Mark. Mark, uh, Matthew was the most Jewish of the Gospels. Mark was the uh, uh, most Gentile of the, of the books. So that was the audience there. It was short and sweet and discussed, uh, focused on the sufferings of Christ. And let's see what Mark had to say. Chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. When the, sa when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb when they asked each other, who rolled away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white and a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Do not be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, the Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where he, they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were still afraid. So these were the uh, eight verses, eight summary uh, verses of, of uh, what Mark wrote his account, what happened after Jesus was resurrected. Now, now we look to, that was Mark and Luke and Matthew, and we notice that Luke wrote 53 verses, and John wrote 56, and two chapters dedicated to what happened after Jesus was resurrected. So let's take a quick uh, um, survey of John, and uh, we're going to have to come back and see the themes and events that um, Luke and John uh, described. When I was approaching this, I was thinking, oh, Luke and John. Luke and John is where we need to focus because they wrote more. <laughs> right? I was thinking. They wrote more events, more accounts. Well, uh, Luke was what? The doctor who was very thorough, and his intention was what? To be thorough. is to write a very thorough account of the events of Jesus. So we can look to Luke for kind of, of a more comprehensive view of what happened, so we'll, we'll look at Luke, and then obviously he wrote a second book, right? Luke Acts, that we'll get into. John, as well, wrote two chapters. So um, not only the quantity of, of stories uh, gives us an idea of, of John's thinking of what happened and what it all meant. John was all about kind of digging into the meaning, not so much factual but the meaning of what happened. Remember, John's beginning of his gospel was, was not, uh, oh, there was a, a pregnant uh, 
there was a pregnant virgin from uh, Bethlehem. It wasn't so much facts, but it was in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. So him equating this event of Jesus, life, death, and resurrection, he saw Jesus, this Jesus, not just a hope and savior for Jerusalem, but he was there in the beginning. So John is this uh, uh, person who describes the meaning behind what is going on. Okay, So just like John 3.16 that we quoted today, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. All motivated by love. But then I was thinking, if Luke and John wrote the most, we certainly need to delve into that. Matthew and Mark, um, I was going to skim over them and just uh, give a cursory reading of them, but Mark is more of an outline. He is short on words, right? And so I was thinking he wrote possibly the important things. If John is a little bit more uh, explanatory and Luke is more thorough of all the details, not leaving out the details, right? Mark gives the overview, <laughs> the important things, right? The summary of things. And so it might be worth looking into Mark of the things that he highlighted. So on your little outline there, you can see all these appearances uh, that John and Luke uh, describes, but Mark only highlights one, two, three, four. Four of them. So it might be worth uh, studying why did he only highlight these four? Those were the most important to him and his audience. Mark is talking to us Gentiles, a non-Jewish audience. And then um, it was uh, interesting just this morning I was flipping through my uh, I, I normally use the online Bible, but I I blew the dust off my NIV study Bible. It's really, it's like a five-pounder <laughs> Bible that I don't carry around very often. And it had this chart of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and nicely uh, headed in a grid. And then over here, it had 1 Corinthians. There are one, two, three, four appearances of Jesus as well outside of the gospel. Well, who wrote that? Was it Matthew, Mark, Luke, John? Who wrote Corinthians? That was Paul, right? So the Apostle Paul writes four appearances of Jesus as well. And he didn't just repeat them either. He didn't just talk to, he didn't just talk to uh, Luke and uh, repeat. Well, that... He's the only one that corroborates that Jesus appeared to Peter in Jerusalem, right? That's only found in Luke, and then the Apostle Paul corroborates that. The others don't have that. And he also corroborates that he appeared to the eleven in the upper room, that John uh, only writes, that's unique to John. And the Apostle Paul um, describes in, ch in chapter 15 
verse 6 and 7, unique to the Apostle Paul, that he appears to more than 500 people some later on. You have heard that, right? Jesus appeared to 500 people afterwards. It's nowhere in the four Gospels, but it's the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians who uh, documents that. So I thought that was quite interesting. Kind of expanded my mind there. I thought I, I thought, I thought I was playing in the sandbox box of Matthew, Mark, and Luke and John of what happened after Jesus was resurrected, of which we kind of don't spend much time on. So we'll spend a little time later on in 1 Corinthians to see what the Apostle Paul had to say. All right. Okay, in John, if you want to turn to the book, uh, book of John, chapter, let's see, chapter 20, we'll read a few verses as we wrap up today's uh, little Bible study and message. Let me see how far we're going to go here. Yeah. We'll just read a little bit out of John chapter 20, like I said, he uh, devotes two chapters to the events after Jesus' resurrection. So chapter 20, verse 1, let's see what he had to say. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have, taken, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. So this is uh, an interesting account out of John. It talks about this foot race between two of the disciples. The other one just says, focuses on Peter. Uh, uh, running toward the tomb. Uh, but there's this foot race toward the tomb. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over. Let's see. Oops. Did I do that wrong? So both and Peter reached the tomb first. Verse 4. Okay, verse 5. He bent over and looked at the stripes of linen lying there, but he didn't go in. So the one who, the disciple who uh, got to the tomb first, he bent over, peeked inside the tomb at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw that the strips of linen were lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separated, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Verse 11, 
Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, he said. They, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Then Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, in Aramaic Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord, she said to them, and he has said these things to her. And, and she told them that he had said these things to her. Then, on the evening of the first day, when the disciples were together, the doors were locked, for they were fearing the Jewish the leaders. Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. And after he had showed them his hands and his side, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive sins of anyone, their sins will be forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, this is, this is where you hear Doubting Thomas. You've heard that story? <laughs> doubting Thomas. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples went and told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks on his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them this time. Though the, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Verse 28, Thomas said to him, My Lord, my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those that have not seen and yet believe. I'm going to close on this, this little subheading in the book of John that says, The Purpose of John's Gospels. The Purpose of John's Gospels. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which were not recorded in this book. 
But these were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Amen. So lots of things happening after the resurrection of Jesus, right? I don't know if you, uh, uh, like me, um, took much time to really think about or study uh, what happened after Jesus was resurrected. We kind of get to Easter and uh, uh, Jesus is alive, Jesus is alive, and we go on to make uh, Easter dinner or make plans for dinner with our extended family. And we kind of never talk about what happened after Jesus was resurrected. So this is an introduction to those things, and I hope it sparks some interest in your mind, uh, these little bits and pieces that you've heard, like I have, because they come from different Gospels. And uh, uh, Donovan, if you want to copy that one, we'll burn another one off. It gives you a little grid of what to look for. So next week, um, we'll be uh, kind of going into some of these things. Like I said, Luke uh, devotes 53 verses to the events, uh, John 56, and the Apostle Paul um, uh, describes four other instances when he sees Jesus resurrected. So that's one thing. And we'll also talk about, um, you know, bring, we'll bring our questions, I'll bring my questions to these events. Like, uh, why did Jesus appear to certain people? Um, why did he have to ascend? You know, uh, to me, it's kind of a letdown, <laughs> really. <laughs> Maybe that's why I don't naturally go to it very often, is, you know, all this hype about Jesus coming, the, the Messiah, the Savior, and then tragically he's crucified. And I'm, you're on that emotional roller coaster with the disciples. And then he's resurrected. And we all want to kind of stay on that high, he's resurrected, but then he has to go again. <laughs> right? Then he has to go again. So we'll be delving into some of these questions and these, these movements. Which leads us, obviously, to the Holy Spirit. And this not being a historically strongly charismatic church, I think we're a little bit deficient in talking about the third person of the God that we worship, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So thanks for your kind attention, and let's close in prayer. God, we thank you for this uh, Sunday. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. We thank you for You have come, you have lived, you have died and resurrected, God. We live in uh, the time of your resurrection. God, we ask for your grace in expanding our mind and understanding what it all meant, what it all means. And now that you are resurrected, God, and sit at the right hand of God, God, open our minds, give us your Holy Spirit to illuminate our minds and encourage our hearts as well. We thank you for being your children and uh, the fellowship of this local body.
as we go on our way today. Till we meet again, in your son's name we pray. Amen.